Welcome to Digging Deeper, a podcast of the Glendale Road Church of Christ. I am Stephen Hunter, the preacher of the Glendale Road Church of Christ, and welcome. Hope you're doing well. I thought now that we have finished uh, a little series about when changes came into you know, Christian practice and so forth, we'd go to a topic that I really find fascinating and that I love, and that is angels. We'll talk about angels, and yeah, we'll get to Satan and demons and some other cool stuff, but we're going to start today with angels. Now, the word angel is a term translated from both a Hebrew and Greek word that can be translated as messenger. Throughout the Old Testament, this is true, and the medium of communicating God's messages often appears as a manifestation or a dream. Angels frequently appeared in human form and delivered messages to God's people. And they also sometimes appeared in a sort of glorified form as well, so that when people saw them, they became very fearful. Now, by the time we get to the New Testament, angels continued to communicate the things of God to humanity. This was so much a reality that Paul urged the Galatians to not receive a gospel contrary to the one that he gave to them, even if it was delivered by an angel in Galatians 1.8. Now you go, why would an angel deliver the gospel? Well, think of this. Angels had announced Christ's conception. They announced his birth. They announced his resurrection and his ascension. So their function as messengers of God is simply put, God sends his angels to live among us and lift our fallen humanity toward Christ. And this is what they did, as we observe from the Bible. Now, understanding their function as messengers, despite their sometimes glorified appearance, urges us to avoid worshiping them, something that we're prohibited from doing, but apparently many were compelled to by the angel's appearance at times. For example, Revelation 22, verse 9, the angel encourages that John not worship him. Now, Scripture gives enough information about them so that we can have a a decent understanding about angels. But keep in mind that Scripture's purpose isn't so much to give us a long, detailed excursus about angels, but it's to inform us about ourselves and God's plan for humanity. And a part of that plan involves angels and their interactions with humans. We're told that angels are, in Hebrews 1.14, they're ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. Now, we observe that they were created in part for that purpose. Psalm 148, verses 1 through 5. Praise the Lord. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. Now, that's emphatically stated in this psalm. Uh, It's actually one of the most majestic of all the psalms. So, the progression of Psalm 148 begins with the heavens the celestial beings, and it goes on to earth and humanity. So here, all created beings are urged to praise the God who creates. And among his creation are the celestial beings, the angels. Now, the creation of angels occurred before the earth was created. And that's reflected in this psalm, and it's also reflected in Job 38, verses 4 through 7 where it says that the angels rejoice when God laid the foundations of the earth. So God created angels, and then he decided to create the earth, and they were present to rejoice at his creative powers. However, we mustn't think that their reason 
for existing is solely for humanity, though that's one of the functions we see in Scripture. Alongside ministering to heirs of salvation, they are also depicted as a chorus of singers praising God and holding Him in reverence, such as in Psalm 89, verses 5-8. through 8. There, the language of the psalm suggests that angels are the subject of these verses. Even among those of heaven, God is depicted as superior to the host, despite the language of this psalm referring to these creatures as holy, a detail true of God as well. So let's read that, Psalm 89, verses 5 through 8. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God feared in the counsel of the holy ones, great and awesome above all that are around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you, O Lord? Your faithfulness surrounds you. This tells us not only of their function in some regard, but also their character. These holy ones, they praise and revere God, something that we humans could learn from. If they are holy and praise and revere God, the question should be asked, how much more so than we? Angels are often depicted as gods in passages of the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, Genesis 6-2, Psalm 29-1, and Job 1-6 the Hebrew phrase is translated as sons of God, but it could be rendered as gods. In Psalm 82, verses 1 and 6, gods is translated and accurately represented. Now, it's not that they're gods as we might think of the Greco-Roman gods or the other polytheistic civilizations, but that they constituted a heavenly council or court that surrounded God. Now, I'll come back to that later on. However, here, too, they praise God. So, interesting, from that latter passage, Psalm 82, verse 6, uh, God and gods are the same words in Hebrew, Elohim. What makes the distinction between God, as in our God, versus gods, are the personal pronouns used of God, such as he and I, while the pronouns of gods... Uh, appears the plural you in verses 2 and 6 of Psalm 82. All right, among the hosts of the heavenly court are cherubs, or cherubim, which is a class of angels known for attending to God. They carry the throne of God. God dwells between the cherubim, Psalm 18.10 and uh, Psalm 99, verse 1. Uh, now, the appearance of cherubim is very similar to that of griffins or sphinxes, if that gives you a point of reference, and they're not the round-faced babes depicted in Renaissance art. These creatures are actually awesome to behold, as Ezekiel suggested. Uh, his four living creatures in chapter 1 of his prophecy are later identified as cherubim. The appearance and presence of cherubim were to, among other functions, designate sacred space. So when Adam and Eve were driven from the Garden of Eden, cherubim were placed at the east of the garden to turn people away and guard the tree of life. That's what we read in Genesis 3.24. The point becomes clear that the Garden of Eden was a sacred space because God was there and, before sin, had full communion with humanity. 
After humanities fall into sin, Adam and Eve are driven from the sacred space, thus designated by the cherubim garnet with the fiery sword. Now, the tree of life that we read was in Eden is depicted as in the midst of the paradise of God in Revelation 2.7, if that tickles your fancy. Now, this paradise is only mentioned three times in the New Testament, each of which suggests it to be a place where the faithful should go. Revelation 2.7, Luke 23.43, and 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2-4. through 4. So, heaven is a sacred space, and the tabernacle and temple were also sacred spaces, as we read in Scripture that cherubim were embroidered, embroidered, excuse me, on the veil and curtains within the tabernacle and temple. You can read about that in Exodus 26, verses 1 and 31. This is also not to mention that the Ark of the Covenant had cherubim on each side, facing inward over the holy seat which was where God descended and sat like a king upon a throne. You can read about that in Exodus 25, verses 18 through 22. So Eden, the tabernacle and temple, were meant to convey to humanity where God was present. In Eden, humanity had fellowship with God but was driven out, and the garden was protected by the cherubim. Same thing with the tabernacle and the temple. Only... Among humanity were priests permitted to enter where the cherubs guarded due to their having been anointed and chosen for such. So in the new creation, such as the church and individual Christians as temples, literally the Holy of Holies, we are where God resides through his spirit. And we, through Christ, are but one step closer to being as the cherubim have always been. So how you have a little bit of a precursor knowledge of angels uh, hit on cherubim, and in later episodes we'll talk about uh, the seraphim and various other things. Like, does every Christian have a guardian angel? You know, those kinds of questions. So anyway, I hope this teaser piques your interest. Please be sure to share this with anyone who may have an interest. Uh, rate us, follow us, and we'll see you next week.